The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. He's coming up here shortly, as is Keith Carter, Ole Miss athletics director on the Modern Women phone line, talking a little bit more about the replay review that wasn't against Auburn, a 35-28 to loss to Auburn. Otis Reese, basketball capacity, basketball scheduling, a lot of stuff. He's going to come to us on the Modern Women phone line, but before we get to it, let me tell you about my bookie. Ever since I started out, people have been asking me for advice on all kinds of things. But in covering sports, it's usually about who's going to win and what team they should bet on. You got LSU or Auburn this week, Ole Miss or Vanderbilt. Well, the best piece of advice I can give to anyone is where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. It's why I always tell people to visit my bookie. They've got the deposit matches, free bets, and huge cash prize contests for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL action, check. College football, check. Plus, they have a mobile-friendly website and top-of-the-line customer service, making their platform a one-stop shop for all your betting needs. MyBookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting, making sure you're covered every step of the way. Congrats if you were one of the ones to cash in on the generous early season odds on the Lakers to win the NBA championship. Sign up at MyBookie today. And when you do, use my promo code, TOC, for Talk of Champions, TOC, to claim a deposit match, dollar for dollar, all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code TOC, TOC, for Talk of Champions, for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more await you. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up.
This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Ole Miss Athletics Director Keith Carter. Got a lot to talk about. The biggest topic of the week, the blown non-review of the Auburn botched kick return that should have resulted in an Ole Miss touchdown in a 35-28 loss. Ole Miss is 1-4. Vanderbilt coming up. What's up, Brad? How you doing, man? What's up, Ben? You prepared for Vanderbilt? You fired up? Yeah, I'm ready to roll, man. I mean, let's. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about this one this week. I mean, that. Um, yeah, we should we should get back on track. I hope. Ole Miss wins if what happens? I think we win if we come out with with a good attitude. Um, you know, ba- basically with with an attitude like, hey, this is a must win game because it is. It really is. Um, if we're gonna somehow get to our four or five win total. Um, you know, if we mosey into this game and, and, and don't, don't take it, you know, as if we're playing Alabama, man, you know how these bandy games go, you can look up at the end of the day and you'll be tied in the fourth quarter, um, much like what's been going on. So I, I think we, we show up with a good attitude and, and get after them early. And I think we, um, you know, we break their spirit. The only way Ole Miss loses is if what happens. If Vandy decides to go watch the Arkansas film, play that defense, that um, kind of drop eight defense, and we ha- we have still have no answer for it, and we throw another bundle of picks and can't get it going. Um, I, I see that as the only way we lose. I never underestimate Derek Mason. He's a hell of a defensive coordinator. Yeah, I know it's kind of scary. That that's the one thing that kind of you know I, I, I you brought up a good point the other day. If you go back and look at that Texas A and M game, that was a tight game. So, so I mean, which Vandy's going to show up? Are they, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, they, and Derek Mason, you're right. He's he's really good at defense. He's a defensive-minded coach. So they're going to see the same defense they saw versus Arkansas. Do we have answers is the question. Derek Mason always gives Ole Miss offenses fit. So to say that I'm uncomfortable for Ole Miss going into this game would be a gross understatement because I don't think Ole Miss, having seen what we've seen the last couple of weeks, can assume anything as far as getting wins. So it's going to be an interesting game, but it's one that if you're looking towards the postseason, whether or not fans will be able to attend these games, I don't know. But if you're looking towards the postseason for a potential bowl, if you're four and six, you can go to a bowl. So if Ole Miss can get this one, now you start thinking about South Carolina State, maybe LSU. LSU put a whipping on this team last week, so maybe LSU's turning the corner. We don't know. But if you're looking towards the bowls and hope to get to a bowl, you have to beat Vanderbilt. And, and so we've gotten this place now where I always hesitate to put must win on any game because I think that that's oversold, it's cliche. But this feels like it. This feels like a game that you've been building towards. If you play at your best capability, you will beat this team. I think Ole Miss is 18-point favorites or something like that. I would absolutely hammer that. I don't think Ole Miss beats this team by 18. I don't think Ole Miss has that potential or that capability in it right now. If you're going to look to the postseason, if you're going to look towards optimism and thinking that Ole Miss can be the team that they look like in the first three weeks, you have to get the result, and that means beating Vanderbilt. This is a must-win, then. Yeah, this is certainly a must-win. I mean, just just from the sheer fact of what we have coming up after this, and um, yeah, I mean, if we want to make it to the postseason, which I mean, I think making it to a bowl game this year would be huge for just the the simple fact that we get another week to practice or another couple of weeks to practice. Um, Langus almost had that spring football that he missed out on by having a bowl. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, dude, listen, there's not many, many on the schedule like this where, where we're going to go in as a favorite. So, 
Um, you got to get up there and take care of business. Um, you know, no plan around, just 100% focus. Um, let's go on and smack them right in the mouth. That's a really important point about the practices because of COVID and the fact that Lane Kiffin didn't get a spring. Preseason was kind of strange. It would be invaluable to get those practices preparing for next year, but also maybe potentially recruiting some of your own roster to come back and not make a decision to go to the pros. I was looking at the ESPN Bowl projections by Mark Schlebach and Kyle Bonagura. I think that's his name. Bonagura has Ole Miss in the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa. I didn't even know this bowl existed. The <laughs> Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa in Raymond James Stadium against Louisville, and Mark Schlebach has Ole Miss against Memphis in the Birmingham Bowl. That sounds about right if you're trying to project where Ole Miss would go in the postseason. Right now, considering that they're one in four, <laughs> and you just let two great opportunities for wins slip through your fingers with Arkansas and Auburn, that's about right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, at this point, who gives a crap what bowl we go to? If you're not going for the national championship, all the bowls are the same, anyways, in my opinion. I mean, it's it, it, what what we need is that extra practice. And what it also does is it helps Lane really evaluate this roster a little bit deeper because coming into camp, he had to take what he thought he knew and, and roll with these guys probably from from what who the guys that played last year. But if we can get some bowl practices, man, he can really dig in deep and kind of figure out who some of these guys are, where we need um, need to improve in recruiting, and um, which he probably has a good idea of that already. But you know, he can really give a lot of guys reps that probably he couldn't afford to give reps to in camp. Yeah, you get those extra bowl practices – Miles Battle, who played defensive back against Auburn and actually broke up a pass late in the game, former wide receiver, decorated high school wide receiver, a top 100 player, I think. Definitely a four-star prospect, was the number one wide receiver target on Ole Miss's board, but he's been a disappointment at Ole Miss. But you look at the body, the frame, he's 6'4", 200-something pounds. He's got length to him, and he broke up a pass. Maybe then you found something at cornerback. Now, position changes and success with those changes aren't all that much of a uh, regular occurrence for players on football rosters, but that is what you could get more of. You could see more reps of a Miles battle in bowl practices if you do get to that place. So, yeah, I think it's important. I think they absolutely need to get there. It doesn't matter where you play, when you're playing. You just need the practices. That's it. It doesn't matter if you get any fans in the stands either. This is about practices and Lane Kiffin getting more and more um, attention for his team because he wasn't afforded that. But I was looking at this. So Miles Battle played some cornerback for Ole Miss against Auburn. Actually looked okay. Looked kind of natural playing it and tweeted out, I think, a couple of days later. I think I might be on to something. That's an NFL future, man. 6'4 with that length. Derrick Jones did it. Former wide receiver. He went and uh, switched over to defensive back again. Went to the pros. So, hey, there's a chance there. But I was looking at this. The most decorated position change players in Ole Miss history. Ken Lucas was a wide receiver. He moved to cornerback. That's by far the best one went to the NFL Seahawks Panthers I think uh, another team or two Deuce McAllister was never a linebacker he was always a running back but Tommy Tuberville was going to play him at linebacker then he threatened to pack his bags so he stayed at running back and once some injuries happened in front of him he became Deuce and the rest is history Tuton Reyes tight end coming in converted to tackle Walker Jones was a wide receiver then to safety then to linebacker Michael Lowry was a safety to linebacker Marche wide receiver to cornerback Kendrick Lewis went from wide receiver to safety. Both Marche and Kendrick got time in the NFL. Marche, I don't think, ever got off a practice squad, but Kendrick, he was starting games for the Houston Texans and I think maybe the Titans as well. Doug Ziegler was a quarterback. He moved to tight end. And then Eli Anding, the new Albany legend, quarterback to fullback, number seven, Mm -hmm. Eli Anding. 
it's a hard thing because a lot of fans, when a player's not working out, maybe he's a highly ranked kid like a Miles Battle, like a John Rice Plumley. This was a conversation throughout the preseason. It's even happening still now. Everyone says, well, put him at safety. It's not that easy, is it? No, um, it, it's really not. I mean, it, it just all, it kind of all depends on your history. I mean, some of these guys, if you think about it, they, in, in high school, they played both sides of the ball. They played multiple positions and, um, you know, they, they, they can easily do it. But for a guy like a quarterback, I mean, it, sometimes it's all, it's 50, 50, man. I mean, some guys, if they're bigger guys, they can be like a tight end or they can kind of transition, but yeah, it's not as easy as people think to, to switch a position, especially if you're, if you've always been a quarterback and, um, you know, there's a lot of technique that goes into, goes into this. I mean, I, I, I just, I just saw this last year with myself, you know, I switched to tight end. So, um, yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it than just switching the position. Does it feel like moving to a different country in a way, as far as football is concerned, because you're playing out of position. This is not what you're used to. It's basically relearning football. Now you were doing it in the NFL college. I think it might be a little bit easier. And there's some positions like wide receiver, cornerback, where some of the ball skills play at both positions. And tight end is kind of like that as far as blocking, but it's still so foreign. And for those that can have success doing it, they're the exceptions to the rule. Because a lot of the time when you get moved to a different position, that's indicative of failure, that that kid just was a bust. It maybe he was a highly ranked kid and you're just trying to get something out of him. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it like that sometimes. But I mean, sometimes guys are just, I mean, they're just better at other positions. And when they move it, it works out great for them. I mean, I've seen multiple D linemen, um, you know, move over and it's like, wow, he's a D lineman. All of a sudden he's a really good O lineman. Um, just cause he knows how to use his hands really well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it can be done. And, and yeah, like as far as whenever I moved last year, I mean, it, it was definitely, um, what, what it did was I went so long with being like an older guy, like a, a veteran O lineman. Then it was, it kind of almost took that away from me where I was like, I almost felt like a rookie again. Um, so that, that, that's what, that's what was kind of hard to adjust to. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, positions, which positions, which can happen certainly, and you can definitely have success. It's just, it, it all depends on, you know, each player and, and if they're, if they're comfortable enough or if they have experience, you know, doing the, doing it. Miles battle six, three, one ninety five. It'd be a really cool story if that kid made it a cornerback. Because he was going to hey, transfer. Will. He actually entered the portal at the end of last year. And once the coaching change happened and Ole Miss went from Matt Luke to Lane Kiffin, Miles Battle pulled himself out of the transfer market, as so many players did. But Miles, as a wide receiver still in this offense, with opportunity, wasn't able to get on the field at all. But now because of COVID and Ja'Cory Hawkins, he was out because he was in close contact quarantine He's in a game against Auburn, and he's making a play against Seth Williams, one of the best high-point pass catchers in all of college football. That was a good play. And now, if you're Miles Battle, you're rejuvenated. Second life now. And there is a path for you and a need for you. It'd be a really cool story, is all I'm saying. It, it was a cool story when it happened to Marche. Kendrick, I think a lot of people assumed, would ultimately end up on defense. He played both ways in high school. Ole Miss just promised him they would let him start at wide receiver, and they did, but he ended up going to safety. It's like Devin White. Everybody was telling Devin White, oh, yeah, man, we'll play you at running back, but he was always going to end up at linebacker. Now you look at him, he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Um, but you can't tell kids any of that stuff when they're coming out of high school. And maybe Miles Battle, this is it. I'm not going to in any way count the chickens before they hatch here, but what a huge thing it would be considering what Ole Miss has ran out there if a Miles battle with his size, with his athleticism, finds a home at cornerback, 
and does a Ken Lucas or does a Marche. That just would be so huge for this program moving forward and for the kid. He'd have an NFL future, and that's all you want. You want these kids to be put in the best position for themselves. Obviously, you want them to have success with Ole Miss, but for themselves because it's a meat market, and once they graduate, y'all can all pretend like you really still care about them, but let's be honest here. It's about the here and now for you. So, Miles Battle, it would just be a cool story. Yeah, when I when I looked out there during the game, I, I didn't know that was Miles Battle. Uh, I must admit, but when yeah, I, I didn't either. There, I, was like, I was like, man, who's this corner? This kid looks good. Like he, he actually had like some SEC size. He actually stood out um, compared to the rest. And and they always say if you're if you're six one and you got length, you're a first rounder, and you can run, you're a first rounder just off sheer size. So don't be surprised if he actually does well for the rest of the year. And you look up and Miles Battles. Uh, a first or second round corner because he runs a four three at the um at the combine or at pro day and and he shows he can actually play corner and um you know he goes on to play well so that would not be surprising at all especially if, he, if he's that size but he actually looked he actually looked really good and um you know he was a high recruit coming in so i mean who's to say he he isn't a natural corner and he found a home for him kiffin kiffin of all people who's been in the nfl and been around that kind of scene he he probably can really see what what projects to the NFL for some of these players compared to a lot of college coaches. But it's hard to convince kids of that when you didn't get the time with them that you otherwise would have because of the pandemic. In the spring, maybe you would have gotten to experiment with a miles battle at cornerback, but you didn't get that because you didn't get the practices. And even in the preseason, at that point, you're preparing for games. You're heading toward the season. So you're trying to get the team that you have ready. And a guy like miles battle gets lost in the shuffle in a way, but hell Trayvon Diggs did it at Alabama. He went from wide receiver to cornerback and became a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can get caught up in a logjam and say what you want to about Ole Miss's overall talent for its roster. It's got wide receivers. It, it does. Jonathan Mingo drops withstanding. Dontario Drummond, obviously Elijah Moore, far and away the best of all the wide receivers. They've got numbers at wide receiver. So he got lost in the shuffle. It happens all the time. The best programs, kids got like Trayvon Diggs get lost in the shuffle, but then they do make a move. Many of them don't work out. Many of them end up transferring, but some of them do. In Miles' battle, maybe it works out. Because I was like you, I didn't recognize it at first either. And when I was watching the game, and I'm trying to write at the same time, because, you know, I do those live updates during the game. Yeah. I saw number six. I'm like, who the hell is that? Who's number six for defense? And then I looked down because I've got this live stats going to in front of me from Ole Miss, and it says Miles' battle. I'm like, oh, no, that's not right. That's an error. But sure enough, it was Miles' battle. Tyler Knight was playing defense too. Tyler Knight's one of those guys that's kind of stuck in football purgatory. I just don't think he has a position. There was other guys like, like Alex Williams didn't have a position at Ole Miss. Some guys, they never have one. I don't think Tyler will ever truly have one. So just put him on defense because that's where you need a body. But Miles, the upside is there. And I don't want to hype it up too much, but it's an intriguing storyline moving forward of a season that I think we kind of get what Ole Miss is until they prove us wrong. Defensively, you've seen their very best the last two weeks. Offensively, we thought they were going to be this juggernaut, this unstoppable rolling offense. Two programs, Auburn and Arkansas, put out the playbook, the blueprint for Ole Miss on how to stop them. So now can you adjust to those adjustments and prove that you are that offense? Until you do, it's going to be a struggle, and every game is going to be a battle. It's a 10-game All-SEC schedule, and no win is guaranteed. So knowing what we know now until they prove us different, a Miles battle story, that's one that if you're an Ole Miss fan, if you're a media member, man, you watch that because that could mean something moving forward. If you're one of those people that think this is year zero for Lane Kiffin, 
then a Miles battle story is important for next year when it's truly year one. But I don't know if I buy it too much that it's year zero for Lane Kiffin. I push back against that, even with all the extraordinary circumstances. Because if you're going to say it's year zero for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, then it's year zero for Sam Pittman at Arkansas? Will we be saying this? Will we be talking about a year zero? And I've seen it circulated on Twitter. Somebody said something in response to, uh, I think, the last podcast. The response to it when I tweeted it out was, this is year zero, it doesn't matter. But wait a second. Would you be saying that if Ole Miss was three and two instead of one and four? I don't buy that. First off, judging off the message boards and um, you know the the tweets and everything else, um, there's no such thing as, as year zero. Um, if if it was, people people wouldn't be so upset about about certain things. And and they're, they're, and, and listen, I don't care. You can shake it however you want. You get judged off of how, how your team performs. I mean, there, there, yeah, there's no, there's no such thing. I mean, it's, there's, this is a huge year. I mean, everybody want to see K- Kiffin is getting judged. No matter you can, you can say it to your blue in the face. Say Ole Miss is short guys. You know, we, we need some help. We're, you know, we're getting better. We're, we're right on the right track, but that doesn't mean anything when you're losing. People still get pissed about losing. So the year zero thing is out the window. That does not exist. This is Kiffin's first year, no matter what the circumstances are you get judged. So that's just, that's just the nature of the beast nowadays. Coaches last, you know, two year, two to three years is about, about all you got to get a turnaround nowadays. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Believe it, the return of Ole Miss football has arrived. The Rebels are playing. Really, it's happening. But as exciting a time as it is, Make sure you're staying safe, and that includes trusting that your pharmacy has you taken care of. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday. 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Stay safe. Enjoy some football. And make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy. Much more than just a pharmacy. You can throw out there the evidence of, okay, wait, every one of these kids are going to get another year. That's a defense of year zero. So if they're all going to get another year and they're getting a mulligan, then Lane Kiffin gets a mulligan. But players on the roster right now, they're going out there and trying to win games. They're certainly not approaching this as if, oh, okay, well, this game, this loss, it didn't matter. This game right here, if we win, lose, it's whatever. It's year zero. That's that's just absurd. And it diminishes whatever accomplishment there is, if there is one, at the end of the year. If it's year zero, and Ole Miss goes to the Birmingham Bowl. And I know we said it doesn't matter what bowl Ole Miss goes to. What we mean is they just need the practices more than the Liberty Bowl instead of the whatever Gasparilla Bowl or Birmingham Bowl. The bowls are immaterial as far as once you get out of those big six. It doesn't matter what bowl you go to. Go to a bowl for the practices and for the postseason experience. Hopefully your fans get to attend bowls this year, at least some in some capacity. But you're diminishing the accomplishment of a Liberty Bowl, even with a 4-6 and six record, 
because in any other year, a four and six record in the SEC would probably equate to eight and four. Considering you're going to win all four of your non cons and then four wins in the league. So it's the same yeah. kind of deal. A four and six record is different when it's a 10 game all SEC schedule. You can't diminish that accomplishment by just saying, oh, well, it's just year zero. So if Sam Pittman's not getting judged on year zero, then Lane Kiffin shouldn't be getting judged on year zero. Neither should Eli Drinkwitz. You're just doing a disservice to the coach and to the kids. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that it's this year certainly means something. I mean, it's a, a, every every time you roll your team or your university out there, you represent something. It doesn't matter what it is, um, you know, what the capacity of the conditions are. When the game starts and Ole Miss is playing, um, you're getting judged and everyone's watching. So, yeah, the whole year zero argument is is ridiculous. Yeah, just don't buy it. Can you believe it, though? Only five games left. We're at the halfway point. Ole Miss and Vanderbilt on Halloween, 3 p.m. Then South Carolina after a bye week. Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss will be playing LSU on December 5th. That'll feel like the weirdest game so far. In a year that's been completely bizarre to begin with, the weirdest will be LSU on December 5th. Playing a game after the Egg Bowl is, I mean, I can't remember the last time we've done that. Um, usually when the Egg Bowl happens, it's either a bowl game or or, um, or nothing, you know. So it'll be weird playing an SEC game after the Egg Bowl. It's just the whole thing is we're talking about four and six, but there's only five games left. That means you got to go three and two in these games. And Vanderbilt, okay, that's a win. But South Carolina at home, A&M on the road, State at home, LSU on the road. Where are the three? All right, Vanderbilt's one. I guess South Carolina and State. But South Carolina's a good football team. I think they're a better, more quality football team than Auburn. Ole Miss should have beat Auburn. I mean, I think Ole Miss on the field was better than Auburn. Mississippi State, they're a mess. That's at home. But again, Ole Miss has not shown any ability, even if it's a team of equal competency to Ole Miss, of winning the game. And until you actually win, it doesn't matter. You can't predict any of this stuff. So going three and two in your final five to get to four and six. That's why I lean more towards they're going to end up three and seven than four and six. You have to lay all your money down, your life savings, on almost going four and six or going two and eight. <laughs> I mean, I, here's the thing. I, I would say two and eight just for the simple right. fact. It's, dude, you think about this. I mean, I, 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 will, I will guarantee you this. We'll be in every game in the fourth quarter. Sure. And it, it will be right there having a chance to win. So the question is, at what point do we decide to win these to damn win games? win the game. I mean, dude, it's it's unbelievable. We could seriously be – I mean, we've been in every game. But we we could easily be undefeated if we if we knew how to win ball games and, and things went our way. I mean, we could be talking about something totally different right now, and we could also be zero and five. So I mean, right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to bet or what the win total is for this team. It's it, you know, what, what if three weeks in a row we freaking get in the fourth quarter and we actually finish the game? And it's like, damn, okay, almost won a three game winning streak, but we could just as easily lose all three of them too. So, I mean, this is a hard team to um, hard hard team to judge because we're we're right there and we're we're very close. So maybe then beating Vanderbilt and getting that taste of success can catapult you after a bye week into South Carolina, A&M, Mississippi State, and you get two of those games, and then LSU, that's just a free shot for you. I think two of them. I mean, if you just – we get Vandy and we go two and two some kind of way. I mean, I'd prefer it be Mississippi State and LSU, but I think two and two, um, you gotta you got to feel like you can do that. Problem is, I thought getting that break against Kentucky, 
and I keep bringing this up, learning how to win. It felt that way. Did something to Alabama that had never been done before. They're rolling. I mean, you and I, even with that team only having one win, we both were looking at them saying, oh, my God, you look at the schedule. This team shows up every week. They got a shot. So that's why, like, even if you beat Vanderbilt on Saturday and you got a bye week and you go in with some good vibes and you get a good work weekend, it's no guarantee of anything with this team. Because don't you have to stack wins together at some point? One win can't be such a great accomplishment. Win two in a row. And I know it's all about be 1-0 this week. That's what all teams say. But that's bullshit. Win two games in a row. Because that's how you start to build some kind of morale and belief that you can go out there and win any game you play. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you got to got to get that first one and then, you know, like like you said, I, it really it really does mean something when you can win two in a row. It really does. I mean, it starts feeling like, okay, this becomes a habit. Um last week wasn't a fluke. So, yeah, getting getting you know, getting two in a row could could really create some confidence for for this team. So, um I, I just feel like it's um if, if there's a time if we're going to turn this season around and have a respectable season, it starts this week. And um, they have to know that because, I mean, you get a, you go up there and get a win. You come back for the bye week, get, get healthy, um, you know, work through some things, work some guys at some different spots. You, you come back, you're at home versus South Carolina, a very winnable game. You come out there with a great attitude and you, you, look, you look up and you're three and four with a chance to, to, you know, to finish out strong. If they lose, does overreaction Monday become turning the page to basketball and talking about a little Ole Miss baseball fall ball? Man, if if they lose, if they lose, we're we're talking about potentially one and nine. Yeah, down the stretch. I mean, yeah. it, we really are with the, with the chance of being zero and ten if if the kicker doesn't miss that kick. So, um, yeah, if they, if they lose this week, man, there's way there there's some deeper issues. We're not nearly as close as as we look. Like there's something just wrong, broken in that locker room. If you can't win this game, I mean, a good team, a competent team beats this Vanderbilt team. As much respect as I put on the name of Derek Mason, and I have nothing but great respect for that guy. But if you can't beat this Vanderbilt team this year with all they've gone through and how bad their offense is, then you deserve to go one and nine. Does intangible stuff really matter? Because at the end of the day, if you're talented, it doesn't matter if you like each other and if you got leadership. If you're talented enough, you win. It just all depends, man. It all depends on how the team comes together um, beginning of the season. You know, so Not every team I've been on has been like this – every you know this tight-knit team and, and i was on a lot of winning football teams i think i only had one or two losing seasons my whole career in the nfl we won a lot of games and every team was different so um yeah some teams we were super close 2018 bears we were very close and you know it really meant something to each other and then you know other years it was you know we we're just on a good team and everybody was just doing their job so i mean i'm kind of with you on that I don't, I don't really buy into the you know the whole you know, broken locker room, all that. At the end of the day, if you got good ass players, you're gonna win games. If you don't, <laughs> you're gonna lose them. Period. Yeah. Period. But the deal is, we came into the year saying it just can't be a disaster for Lane Kiffin. That's all, record wise, not a complete disaster. One and nine is a disaster. Yeah, I think I think the thing that the the reason why I, I don't think it could have been. A, I was thinking it shouldn't be a disaster this year. If you look at our offensive talent now, we are we're pretty pretty bad on defense but offense man i mean i would argue we have two of the the best running back combination in the sec i mean these dudes yeah. are pretty good and then you have two quarterbacks that got, got got a little bit of experience last year you got elijah moore who's a draft pick so there there are there's some talent on offense so we're not i mean we got enough to be to be winning games now we, we are not a one and nine 
talent on offense. So that's, that's my thing. I mean, there's, there's enough to win. There's enough to win on offense. So there's, that's why coming in this year, I mean, like I get it, it was going to be a bad year, but it sure certainly shouldn't be a one and nine year. Snoop Connor and Jerry on Ely have combined for the most rushing yards in the sec. You can't go one and nine with that. Yeah, there's plenty. And the addition of Yaboa, I mean, obviously he had a bad drop there last week, but but all in all, I mean, he's got four or five hundred yards or four four hundred something yards receiving. I mean, that's pretty pretty solid tight end as well. Maybe Kenny Yaboa comes back next year. I would I would love that. I would love that. I <laughs> that's mean, what I'm saying. You had a man crush on, and, on Kenny Yaboa all year. I like him, man. He's smooth. I mean, he's gonna. I, I think he's one of those guys that. Um, that's going to transition well. I think he's going to. Um, I, I really do. I think he's just going to get better and better. This is. You got to remember. This is the first time he's played against. Like, I mean, no, no knock on Temple, but he's playing against some much different players than he was playing whenever he was at Temple. So, um, I mean, he he stepped up well to the to the kid to the occasion, you know. So I'm I'm I definitely definitely like the way he's playing. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. That voice you hear is Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes, and when you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's a five-star review, also available on SoundCloud and Spotify, just simply search Talk of Champions. All right, for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Going to go now to the Modern Woman phone line to close this thing out. Going to talk to Ole Miss Athletics Director Keith Carter. But first, let me say bye to Brad. See you, buddy. See you, man. Hotty toddy. Before we jump to Keith, let's hear from BNA Bank and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Celebrate! Ole Miss football, it's here. We made it. We made it. Yeah, the season looks a little different, but some normalcy has returned. Now's as good a time as any then to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Think about it. Riding around in your new Jeep Gladiator, your Ole Miss car flag flying on your way to see the Rebels play, can you believe it, in style. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford has you covered, and no, you don't have to worry about COVID-19. They're open for all of your vehicle needs, taking extra precautions to ensure your car buying process is as seamless and safe as possible. Even better, they're offering customers the opportunity to purchase a vehicle completely over the phone or the internet with the delivery to your home. You pick out the vehicle you like, simply contact them by phone, email, through the website, and they'll prepare the paperwork, review it with you on the phone, and bring it and your vehicle to your home to finalize. So what are you waiting for? Why not? Why not now? Give them a call. 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. Visit them online at allensamuelsoxford.com or see them in person. Socially distanced, of course, at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. 
where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, going now to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to Keith Carter, Ole Miss Athletics Director. Good friend of the program, been on many times. Keith, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, Ben. How about yourself? I'm good. Thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. And Ole Miss is in the middle of football season. One and four. You were in many ways a one-man coaching search operation halfway through the first season of Lane Kiffin. Your first major hire is the permanent AD. What do you think so far? Well, I think we're I think we're heading in the right direction. You know, obviously, uh, you know, you hate you hate the one and four record. Um, feel like you know we had a couple games there that we could have we could have won, and and you know a couple couple plays here and there, and, and it's a little different. But uh, I think everyone's excited about you know the trend, and uh, you know certainly you know what Coach Kiffin and his staff are doing, and um, you know this is this is going to take some time. You know, I think everybody understands that that it's it's going to take some time for for Coach to you know implement his his style and. Uh, you know, recruit some and, and do all those things. But, uh, you know, overall, really, really happy. And, you know, as I talk to fans and donors, I think everyone uh, is re-energized and, and ready to see where, where Coach Kippen can take the program. You've been an Ole Miss guy for a long time, Keith. But is your fandom different this year since you're the one that hired the head coach? Well, yeah, I think you, I think you have a little more equity in it, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, certainly, you certainly want – um, you know, the, the coach that, that you entrusted with, with your, with the football program to do well and, uh, do things the right way and, and, and do all those things. So, uh, you know, certainly I, as I look at, at what coach Kiffin has done and, and where I think we can go, I think that the trend is really good. And, uh, but yeah, there's, there's probably a little extra incentive in there for me, for him to be successful and, and, and really just, you know, being an old Miss person and, and having such a love for this place. Um, you know, I just, I just want it to be successful. You know, I want it for, for, our, for our kids, for, for our coaches, for our fans, and, uh, you know, for everyone. We, we deserve it, and, and I think that, uh, you know, we're on the right track. It's such a weird time, though, Keith. It's been tough, I know, for you guys navigating this season while also spearheading the COVID-19 protocols. So you want your guy, your team to win, but the restrictions being what they are, sometimes kids have to sit out a few meaningful contributors or starters. So I'm sure you're getting it from any number of directions. How tough has it been? Well, it's been difficult. And, you know, I know that, you know, I, I'm not an excuse person. Coach Kiffin's not, none of our coaches are, you know, it, it's a bottom line business. And at the end of the day, you win or you lose. And so, you know, that's the way we're going to approach it. And, and we, we love the fact that we, we played well and, and done some good things, but ultimately we want to win. And, and I think Coach Kiffin's going to be the first one to tell you that. Uh, but it's been hard, you know, I think, uh, you know, just with, with some of the natural obstacles we've had with COVID. And, and like you said, we've had a few guys that have been positive and some close contacts that have had to sit out for a few games. And uh, but everybody's dealing with that. You know, everybody's dealing with, with different issues. Um, you know, I think one of the, the big things that's that's frustrating is the dead period in recruiting. You know, it's it's hard for a new staff trying to establish a program and you can't go out and see kids. You can't have them on your campus. And I think at Ole Miss, it's so important getting kids to Oxford and getting them, getting them to our campus. And so that, that's been hard. And, you know, hopefully uh, that will, that will end, you know, at the beginning of, of January, maybe we can get some kids in here before that second signing day. So uh, we'll see, but yeah, there's been some obstacles, but uh, you know, we're, we're going to hit it full speed and, and not make excuses and uh, we're going to win. We're going we're to make this thing happen. Have there been discussions with the league about allowing some kids though, in these last handful of games to be able to come out and visit because you look in the stands and there are fans in the stands. Why couldn't a few kids, even if it's only a small group and you limit the group, why couldn't a few kids come visit the school on game day? 
Yeah, you know, Ben, that, that's an NCAA decision, you know, that the dead period will run through the end of the year. Now, now student-athletes can come on their own. They can buy a ticket and, and come to the game. And, you know, I think we've had some some kids that have, have come to Oxford and, and, and checked it out on their own with their parents and, and those type of things. So, um, you know, there, I think there are some ways they can actually come to Oxford and come to games, but uh, I don't see anything happening from a, from a national standpoint until, you know, we get through December. Well, where do things stand, generally speaking, numbers-wise, with the COVID-19 situation strictly at Ole Miss? Well, we're in really good shape. You know, uh, I know I know. a couple of weeks ago, you know, Coach Kiffin used the word outbreak, and it, it kind of got people, you know, up in arms. But uh, we've been really good. You know, we went about a five- or six-week period, but we did not have a positive test. And, and then we, we, we had, a, had a positive test and a couple of close contacts that have kept those guys out. And you know, so far, we had our Sunday test this week. No positives came back, and, and we tested again this morning, and, and we'll test again on Thursday. So um, it's been good, and, you know, obviously, if you can get through this week, play Vanderbilt, uh, you know, you're you're 60% through the season with an off week, and, and you know, we'll keep rolling. But uh, I think all in all, uh, you know, COVID hasn't hit us as hard, obviously, as it has some other teams. I think the use of outbreak there was a little bit of showmanship on Lane Kiffin's part. Well, you know, Lane, Lane – is known to have some showmanship. Um, and, and so, you know, obviously we, we embrace some of that. And, um, you know, I think for him and just, just to kind of to his defense, you know, when you don't have a positive test for six weeks and then you have a positive that affects, you know, two other guys that are starters. I mean, in his mind, that is an outbreak, you know, that's I mean, that's, yeah. that's something that, that really, really affects the team. And, um, you know, obviously the, the tough part, and he's mentioned this publicly is, is the close contact, you know, the 14 days of, of, of being quarantined, you know, the guys with, with, you know, no symptoms and, and, and really you know, likely do not have the, the virus and, and won't get the virus. Uh, and those guys have to sit out longer, you know, than the person who actually was positive. And so uh, hopefully that can get changed uh, at some point where there may be an option to test out of, of close contact quarantine, because certainly, uh, you know, for football, but, but our, all of our other sports too, uh, it's going to be, you know, a nightmare to, to deal with that, especially as you go through basketball with so many contests and, and those type of things. So hopefully we can get some movement on that at some point. Close contact quarantine has to be a pretty lonely place for a player. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, you again, I don't know the exact percentages, but a large percentage of our close contacts, you know, sit there for 14 days with, with no symptoms and, and just feel like, you know, what are, what are we doing? And I get it. We want to be safe and we want to take the, the proper you know precautions and, and do all those things. But I just think there's got to be a way maybe where you cut that in half where on day five, day six, day seven, you know, if you test and, and you're negative, maybe you can, you can get out of that quarantine. So it's been tough, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to continue to go through the protocols and procedures and, and hopefully there'll be some movement on it in the future. Vanderbilt's been hit really hard with COVID. Has there been any concern that the game won't be played or are we all expecting it to go on as normal? Yeah, I think right now everything's looking good. Uh, we got kind of an initial report after their Sunday test and uh, I think they have enough to play. And, and obviously we'll, we'll monitor very closely today's results and, and Thursday's results. But uh, as of right now, everything's uh, on go. Well, I got you this far without bringing it up, but the topic of the week. I knew this was coming. You know I knew coming. this was coming, Ben. The on-field and uh, replay review officials botched the second half. Should have been botched Auburn kickoff return. Recovered by Ole Miss for a touchdown. Now, Ole Miss lost that game for a number of reasons. But still, that was an egregious miss. The SEC, it seems, acknowledged as much in private conversations with you and with Lane. Neither of you have said or are allowed to say anything publicly due to the SEC bylaws, which themselves are quite laughable. 
But Kiffin was fined $25,000 for his Twitter trolling in regards to the incident. There's many layers to this, Keith. I understand that. But first off, and I know you have to be measured here, but you released a statement on social media expressing your disappointment, your frustration in the lack of review and the SEC's explanation. Would it be fair to say the reason for that disappointment, that frustration, is because you found the explanation insufficient? And if so, best you can, why? Well, I think it's – let me just backtrack a little bit, Ben. So we, we started, I mean, literally right after the game on Saturday, I was on the phone with the director of officials, John McDade, uh, getting an initial impression of, of you know, why, why things happened the way they did. Um, I got an initial response and, and really just wasn't satisfied with it. And so uh, subsequent calls with the commissioner, um, Charlie Hussey, uh, the associate commissioner, commissioner on Saturday, uh, another call on Sunday with, with Greg, uh, with, with Sankey, uh, and then, you know, multiple calls yesterday as well. So we, we spent a ton of time, um, you know, basically voicing our opinion on this and, and, you know, where we stand and, and our thoughts. And, you know, for us, um, you know, I think it, it, it comes down to the fact that we are, we're, we're frustrated. We're very disappointed, obviously with the, with the non-review, um, you know, the explanation that we got, um, was, you know, kind of what you saw in, in the SEC release yesterday that they, they took some ownership of, uh, of what happened, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that that's a game changing play. You know, that's, that's one that, you know, that at that point in the game, um, you know, you got to review that and that's the bottom line. You have to review it. You got to take it to the full review and just didn't feel like that was handled very well in the booth and, and voice that, you know, adamantly with the league. Uh, they listened and, and understood where we were coming from. And again, it, it doesn't, they're not going to give us that touchdown. We, we can't, we can't overturn that. Um, but I hope between myself and coach Kiffin and, and the way that we, uh, you know, talk to them and, and told them our thoughts is that, you know, this, this will resonate, you know, and I, and I think, you know, obviously a lot of visibility now on social media. And, you know, I think that's the problem then for, for the SEC in this is that the replays were so clear of what happened. Um, but just the mismanagement of it in the booth and, and not taking as close a look as they needed to, you know, I think was the issue. So um, clearly voice that uh, stated our opinion, stood up for Ole Miss and, and what we believe and what all our fans believe. Um, and, and we hope that, you know, it, it will allow us in the future to, to, to have some, you know, some ground and, and, and maybe, maybe swing a call in the future, you know, those type of things. But, but basically what I talked about is that this has got to be something that's looked at. It's got to be something that, uh, not just for Ole Miss, but, you know, if there are situations in games that can change the game, they have to be reviewed. We spend millions of dollars on reviews. Um, we've got to get that right. So um, we, we talked a lot, spent many hours talking about this. Uh, again, I know it's not what everyone wants to hear. Um, we'll, we'll move on to Vanderbilt and, and hopefully, you know, play great up there. But, uh, you know, very frustrating and, and something that, uh, you know, for us, we, we, uh, we voice that opinion and, and hopefully it will resonate in the future. What's so mind-numbingly frustrating from the outside looking in is this kind of stuff continues to happen multiple times a year with a lack of accountability. So when you heard the conference was finding Kiffin, what was your response? Because from the outside observer, and I think – this was well-voiced across the online college football community. The prospect of the SEC's failure resulting in nothing, no discipline or acknowledgement of error publicly or wrongdoing by the league itself, but the wrong coach voicing his displeasure with the said screw-up, it seems patently absurd, Keith. 
Yeah, it, it seems certainly counterintuitive. Um, you know, and and I know they're they're good AD teams, word there, but, Keith. Good AD word. Yeah, yeah. I, I try to, to look in the in the dictionary and get a few of those from time to time. Um, but you know, it, it's one of those things where you know, in their mind, there is a clear policy. You know, that was in the release and and social media and and, and calling out officials publicly. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a clear policy that was voted by the members. You know, voted on by the 14 member institutions that you know we don't do that. And so, while very frustrating, and and you know that the content and actually the you know, the meat of, of what happened, um, you, you know, you feel like Lane or myself or whoever has the right to, to say that, you know, just unfortunately, based on the, the bylaw and the policy, you can't do that. So, um, you know, unfortunate for Coach Kiffin, um, you know, he's standing up for what he believes in and in our institution, and, and, and we all want to do that. We absolutely want to do that and will do that. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, the, the policy reads how it reads, and, you know, the fine was, uh, was implemented. We'll jump right back to the Modern Woman phone line to keep up our conversation with Keith Carter, Ole Miss Athletics Director, after I tell you briefly about Thomas Chandler of Modern Woman, the sponsor of the Modern Woman phone line. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Kiffin answers to you. You have a boss you answer to. I have a boss I answer to. If I do something that is considered a screw-up, and it's in a very public way, I'm going to be reprimanded publicly. People are going to understand not only what I did, but what the discipline was. So have there been, or do you foresee there being, discussions in the future between the leadership of the 14 member institutions and the league about more transparency regarding officials and replay review decisions going forward for a conference that bemoans responsibility from its schools? It's awfully quick to absolve itself or just hide completely when their ticket is called. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be some discussion on that, on ways, then that, you know, there, there could be something on a Monday, you know, after a Saturday where uh, there's, there's a little bit more explanation. Um, there's a little bit more, uh, you know, you, you, people know kind of what's going to happen and, and what the results are going to be. You know, I'm not sure we'll ever see uh, a public reprimand. Um, you know, I think that there are, there are reprimands that happen, you know, throughout a season that, that people never know. Um, and, and officials and booth folks and, and all those people are reprimanded uh, from time to time. Um, but I, I'm, not, I'm not sure it'll ever become a fully transparent process where, you know, this is exactly what's happening to this crew or this person. Um, but there is discussion about that. And, and let me say this too. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of scrutiny around the on-field crew uh, on, on Saturday night. I, I was standing 10 feet from the play when it happened, standing with Richard Cross and live it was it was virtually impossible to tell if it touched his finger. So I don't necessarily have any issue with what happened on the field or if they you know said it you know they had them him not touching it. Um, where I have the issue is the review. You know you you got it. That's why we have review. That's why why we have it. That's why you you have it there to get it right. So 
Um, you know, not necessarily an issue with, with what happened on that particular play with the on-field crew, but, uh, but certainly think we should have gotten it right in replay. That's what it's there for. If there's any question, there's no harm in stopping the game and reviewing it again. But, okay, I've exhausted that. If only we could all have that kind of job security, though, right? If we could only all have <laughs> the ability to... Anyway, what role has the administration played in the efforts to clear Otis Reese? And at this point, with only five games left, is it fair to assume Ole Miss won't have him available at all this season? Um, you know, we spent a lot of time uh, working on Otis. And uh, first of all, Otis is a great young man. Uh, he, whenever he plays, he's going to be a, a very impactful player to our to our team, and, and not just as a player, but as a person. He's just a great young man. Um, you know, Otis retained outside counsel who basically, um, you know, worked through and, and, and ran the strategy of, of kind of which direction they wanted to go with, with Otis and, and everything. And so, you know, we've been very supportive, obviously, and, and our compliance department has, has worked hand in hand with, with outside counsel and, and, you know, submitted things and, and done things that we've needed to do. You know, unfortunately, there's just some, some snags and, and we're still working through, we're still going through the process and, you know, I know that, that people, and, you know, I read what people write and, you know, he's the only one left and, and all those things. And, you know, obviously the SEC has, has given him the go ahead. Uh, we're just waiting on, you know, NCAA approval. So uh, we'll continue to work through that. You know, like you said, we're, we're halfway through the season now, uh, obviously in a COVID year where the year doesn't count, you know, even if Otis played five games or, or one game, we'd love to get him on the field. So we're going to continue to push that until we're out of options and, and go from there. Sounds like you've been voicing your displeasure about a number of things lately. Um, well, you know, you voice displeasure when you need to. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, it feels like sometimes those things do come in waves. You know, you, you deal with things that uh, maybe you don't think are right and, and you've got to, you know, you've got to stand up for what you believe in and, and, and what your thoughts are. So uh, we'll continue to do that. We'll always fight for our student athletes. You know, first and foremost, that's, that's why we're here. And so we'll always do that. And, and then obviously with officiating, you know, we, we want to be respectful and we want to do all the things that, that we need to do there. But at the same time, we, we've got to stand up for ourselves and, and you know, we've got to, we've got to point out things that can be improved, you know, not just for Ole Miss, but as a league in general. And, um, you know, I think the league is receptive to that and, and hopefully they're receptive to our conversations this week. Coming from a friend, there will come a time where it won't be so abnormal for you that you'll actually get to deal with just basic, normal stuff on a day-to-day basis, I promise. You know, that's what people keep saying. Um, <laughs> but but I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm believing it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming up on my first uh, anniversary at the end of November. And, you know, it's been a, obviously a very interesting year and a lot of challenges. But, uh, you know, that's what we sign up for. That's what we sign up for, and that's, that's what we want. And, you know, to be the leader of, of this, you know, this great, department and, and institution here at Ole Miss Athletics is an honor and you know we just want to do everything we can to make it the best that it can be so we'll continue to do that and if those are our challenges we'll we'll fight them and and like you said hopefully one of these days some of the some of the spoils will come too because uh, I know we're going to win a lot we're going to win a lot a lot of our sports and our student athletes are going to represent us well it's going to be a lot of fun well in this unique environment with transfers being granted an extra year of eligibility and other seemingly identical cases being granted. Why is a player like Otis Reese, or even Robert Allen for that matter, in basketball being punished? What could possibly be the justification for it? The SEC cleared Reese. They're getting the year the players are anyway. So again, from an outside perspective, it reeks of selective enforcement and favoritism for particular schools over others. These transfers, 
And there are others out there, but they're the only ones being punished here, Keith. Yeah, you know, I know it looks like that. And, and you know, certainly we, we've got those two individuals that, you know, for us are very important. And so, you know, we're focused on on, on them. Um, you know, we've had some others that have been approved. You know, we had, you know, Dean Leonard and, and, and Robinson for football. And, uh, you know, we're, we're working on some others as well that, that we feel good about. So um, I'll just say, Ben, you know, the bottom line is every one of these cases is different. You know, and, and everyone has different circumstances. You know, some go down different paths and, and take a different strategy than others. Um, and this has been a very unique year. Um, you know, the SEC, in, in most normal years, um, the Cade Mays and the, the Gatewoods and, and Otis Reese's of the world would, would not have been uh, approved at the SEC level because of the interconference. And, and this year, because of COVID and just the unusual circumstances, they were. And so, you know, it just depends on, on each individual situation. Again, we're going to fight like crazy for our student athletes and, and to give them those opportunities. But ultimately, as you go through a process and, and you get turned down and, and denied, um, you know, you, you, you can only go so far. So, again, we're, with Otis, we're, we're still working with, um, with Robert Allen. We're still working. Um, so hopefully those will have good endings. Um, you know, for, for Otis, unfortunately, we're halfway through the season. So even if we end up with a good you know, a good uh, outcome. He's already missed a lot of games, but, um, you know, with, with uh, Robert Allen, hopefully, you know, that could work out potentially with the appeal and as we go down that path. So we'll continue to work hard. And, and again, all I can say is, is every case is different. Um, and, you know, just how people look at things is different, but uh, you know, we're going to do our part as Ole Miss and, and do everything we can to, to support our students. The SEC lifting the in-residency requirement for in-conference transfers for this year, do you think it'll stick? Um, you know, there's going to be a, a, a very um, interesting conversation here over the next two or three months about that um, on whether or not, because obviously, you know, with, with the one-time transfer, people are going to be moving all around the country. And so, you know, whether or not we want to allow, uh, you know, interconference transfers is going to be an interesting discussion. You know, it, as part of it, you know, I, I think if you look at it globally and you just, if nobody has a, a dog in the fight or, or, a, or a transfer student that they want to get eligible, um, I, I would bet that most coaches and, and, and even ADs and, and presidents would, would say that, you know, interconference is going to be difficult because, you know, people worried about, you know, getting poached and, and vice versa, you know, and just all of a sudden, you know, you've got a player that was at, you know, Alabama that, comes to Ole Miss or, or vice versa, and then it just kind of creates some issues back and forth. Now, if you've got a player that you want to get eligible, obviously the coaches and, and the ADs are for it. Like, we want to get that player. So it'll be interesting to, to see. And, and obviously, you know, the trend has been to, to relax things for student-athletes, give them more opportunities. I'm all for that. Um, I just I worry a little bit about some of the, the, the inter, internal dynamics within the league uh, of what that could look like and tampering and, and different things from that standpoint. So it'll be an interesting discussion, but uh, we should have something on that probably after the first of the year. If the SEC is the greatest conference in football, which we all agree that it is, the best players play in conference, I would think the SEC would want to keep all of those good players in conference. I don't want to go see Justin Fields go to Ohio State, for example. I know you can't talk about particular players, but you get what I'm saying? Like I don't want to see the best players go to other conferences when they can go to – LSU and even the playing field so that you don't have a one team dominance for a decade. Yeah. And that's certainly one way to look at it. And, and obviously we know we're getting the best players. We, we, we've been doing that for years and years. And so keeping them in conference is certainly uh, one of the bullets on that side of the ledger. 
Um, but just, you know, the other side of the ledger is kind of a response to that is, you know, coaches and, and administrations and, and different people getting a little bit sideways because of, you know, the way things go down with these transfers. And so, you know, our league has been very strong. We, we you know, obviously the, the revenue and the TV and, and all those things have continued to grow over the past, you know, 10 or 15 years. And, and I know we want to remain strong. And I just know that everyone's, you know, making sure that we're not going to do something that could potentially, you know, start to chip away at that a little bit with some of the relationship side of it and, and all of that. But certainly, uh, all of that will be in the discussion, and uh, you know we'll see where it lands, you know, in January or February. All right, a few more here, and we're done. Do you anticipate twenty five percent capacity for basketball initially, but then that number growing as the season moves on? Less sure what we hope, and that's what we're that's what we're planning for right now. We're planning on the twenty five percent to start the season, and you know, obviously, we would love for uh, for that to grow. Um, you know, I, I kind of spilled the beans a little bit in the the pregame show on on Saturday before the football game, but. Um, there's not going to be any floor seats. We're going to have to retract all of our seats back to the, the hard seats. And, and actually we're going to flip the benches to the other side of the floor oh, wow. uh, to create some more social, social distancing and, and different things there. So really when you talk about 25%, you know, normally that would be on about 9,000 in the pavilion. Um, when we, when we put those retractables back, it actually takes the capacity down to about 7,000. So when it's all said and done, you will be, you know, we'll be around 2000 actual seats. Um, with that 25% number, but certainly as we move forward, we hope that that can grow. Okay, so a tad pad capacity crowd. There you go. There yeah. you go, exactly. Where are things as far as finalizing the basketball schedule? We're really close, both on the men's and the women's side. I think we'll see some movement on that within the next probably seven to ten days, and uh, we'll have those out and uh, and be ready to roll. I mean, we've got a game in, in less than 30 days, and yep. so you know we got to get the uh, – obviously the non-conference part of that is, is pretty much finalized, and we got to get the conference piece as well. But I think it's coming. So the MTE is when Ole Miss will start the season? Correct. Yes, we will play on the on the 25th and uh, I believe 25th, 26th, 27th. I believe our women's team will have a home game in there as well. So a lot of basketball there around, you know, uh, that time period and uh, should be a lot of fun. All right, everything's still on hold as the pandemic rolls on. So knowing that, once able, what are the projects the university would like to first tackle? Well, one of the very first things, and it's actually, we, we've kind of started discussions about this again, is our track locker room. That one was about a week away from getting started when, when really COVID hit in March. Uh, we have a deadline on that one because we host the uh, SEC championships in 2022. And we want to get all of that finished before that. So we'll actually pick up conversations on that as we as we get toward the end of the year and then start construction on that in the spring. Um, and then we actually had our uh, one of our first capital projects meeting last week uh, to, to really start talking about getting offensive again with capital projects and, and building and, and fundraising and doing those types of things because it's time. When we, we've got to keep moving. We've we've been playing defense for you know five or six months here. We've got to start playing offense a lot more and and that's what we've really been talking about around our department lately is, you know, being, being more proactive, being more creative and, and really getting these discussions going. But, you know, we've got a lot of cool things in store. You know, I know we want to do some renovations with our softball stadium. Uh, you know, Coach Kiffin's got some ideas for the Manning Center and some other things. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. We just got to gotta crank it back up. Well, lastly, you said long ago, I think on this podcast, actually, that as long as Ole Miss had some fans in the stands for football, this difficult period – was monetarily survivable. Where is Ole Miss financially? And has the plan you put in place for this scenario, the one that you got, played out as expected? You know, Ben, it really has. I mean, it's played out um, 
pretty much just as expected. Now, the only issue that we we have in, in our projections is when we put in the 25%, uh, we assumed that we would sell all those tickets in football, which we have not, and, and we're not the only ones. I mean, there, there's been a lot of schools around the country, you know, with 20 or 25% capacity and only bringing in, you know, 15 or 20% of, of actual attendance. And so uh, through the first three games, we, we've lost some revenue based on that projection. Uh, and if, you know, the last two home games, if, if we don't sell it out, we're, we're going to end up losing probably another three or 4 million there just based on the fact that we didn't sell that full 25% allotment, but uh, we have a plan for that too. And, and uh, you know, we are going to have to take on some, some extra debt. And so we're looking at options for that right now, but uh, you know, overall, then all things considered with COVID and, and where we are, if we can get through these next two uh, home football games, relatively unscathed. Um, I think we're going to be in a, in a decent spot and, and, you know, again, trying to, to keep this to a one year issue uh, who knows what's going to happen with basketball. And as we get into the spring with baseball or other revenue sport there, but uh, you know, I feel good about the plan we implemented and, and kind of right on course with where we thought we would be. Well, Godspeed moving forward. I look forward to the day where you can kick back, put your feet up on the desk, enjoy the fact that you're sitting in the big chair rather than having to constantly be fighting battle after battle after battle, just get some time to yourself. But for now, you come on this podcast and give your time, and I thank you for it. Appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, man. Enjoyed it, man. Hope you're doing well. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.